Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them, because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Ghostly happenings have been reported for years at the Sydney Quarantine Station which sits perched on Manly's North Head. Since the 1830s, ships suspected of harbouring disease were stopped just offshore, so passengers and crew could disembark on Quarantine Beach and begin their 40-day isolation. Of the thousands who arrived at the quarantine station, many would never leave. The last global pandemic was the 1918 Spanish flu outbreak, which killed almost 6,500 people in Sydney alone. And during this terrible time, the Sydney quarantine station was the site of unspeakable misery and tragedy. All of this trauma has led many to believe that Q Station, as it's now known by some, is haunted. There are stories of the ghost of a mortician, Mr. Slimy, which is a stupid name, reported from numerous visitors. There's a menacing figure apparently stalking the nurses' quarters. And then there is what is apparently the most haunted room in Australia. So, Dad, we lived in Manly for a long time and the quarantine station was sort of always just there. How would you describe this building to people who haven't driven all the way out there and actually seen the damn thing? Firstly, I would like to pay respect to our listeners because um, I love our listeners. I don't know them all but I'd really love to get to know them. So I just thought I'd put that in there because, hey, they're they're great. They've been with us for a long time. And it's kind of spooky, Paul, that we're doing this podcast. The whole thing about the quarantine station is so succinct and apt to our present-day situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we think about ourselves and sort of having to isolate and, you know, pandemics, but they're not new. They've, they've, they've ravaged the world in previous times. And because Australia is an island, mm. when the ships came from various places, generally from England, full of convicts, but there were also free settlers, they'd come in through the heads. And as you come in through the heads, on your right is a massive 80-metre cliff. It's a sheer cliff. And so if you turned right, you'd 
basically end up sort of in Manly and just prior to sort of where the ferries arrive for people that haven't ever sort of seen the particular area it's there's a sort of a beach prior to that and that was where they built the first quarantine station so mm. imagine you're coming in by ship obviously pre-planes and you could either go left to where the first settlement was which is now circular key but then generally speaking you'd have to turn right and it's sort of a natural headland and Paul, when I taught you how to drive in Manly, do you recall we would pass the hospital, Manly Hospital, and come to a, like a stone arch? Do you remember that? I remember that very well. I mean, that whole area was super creepy because you do go up Darley Road, past St. Paul's, which is where I went to school, the seminary's on the left, and then you mm. pass the hospital. And then there's a kind of... I mean, you always told us it was... I mean, is it a, is it a mental hospital? Is it a... Mm. I mean, that yeah. structure. And then, and then there's a big stone arch. And then you're kind of in bushland for a while, right? Mm. Mm. And then there's a boom gate. That's right. And one of the most terrifying aspects of, of travelling towards that stone arch, because that's the arch that basically prevented people in quarantine mm-hmm. from mixing with the locals. And the most terrifying thing about that particular arch was when I was teaching you how to drive, worried you'd actually not crash into the wall. It was horrific. I wasn't that bad. Mm. Yes. So, <laughs> you, if you make it through that particular arch, uh, and there are, there are amazing stories, stories that sort of are, are poignant in a way where there were, there were relationships forged um, from people that were on the quarantine side mm-hmm. and occasionally they would have a um, sort of a romantic rendezvous with one of the local um, you know, residents. Yeah. And of course, if a local resident had any contact with someone within the quarantine station, guess what? They would then be taken into the station. And that, I mean, if you're trying to date someone in there, the quickest way in is just to get sick. But a lot of people died. Oh, it, it, mate, it's, it's a small area. Um, mm. it's, it's, I mean, if you were flying in a small aircraft, like a Cessna, yeah. which is a single-engine plane, I think from that wall to the southernmost tip of, the, of where, where I mentioned the cliff, it would take you approximately maybe 40 seconds. Right. To fly over. So it's a yeah. tiny, tiny area. On a cliff. On a cliff. And yep. it's... But one of the most extraordinary things about that whole location is that there are three cemeteries there. Not one, not two, but three cemeteries. And the reason you have a cemetery and then you go to a second is because the first cemetery is just full. But imagine filling up a second cemetery, then going to a third. And as the listeners may know, I used to do a lot of bottle diving, but I also used to do a lot of digging in archaeological sites. Illegally. Yep. Yeah, for better or worse. Worse. And, sorry, did you say worse? Uh, No, I didn't say that. Oh, right, sorry. Um, But you're right. I feel bad now. (laughs) So I have a very, very strong affinity with... North Head and the quarantine station. We used to live, Paul, as you remember, in the road that took you directly up to the quarantine station. Yes, I recall. And it's a place of sadness. 
and and just it's it's desolate it's it's eerie there's no doubt about that and i mean you've you've spent some time there too haven't you at the quarantine Ill- station Ill- illegally yeah so i was in year 12 and i was at chroma high and my friend Matt and my friend Kirby, we decided to go up there one night and see if we could kind of, you know, sneak in. Mm. And then uh, we'd taken some supplies with us. So we jumped the fence and kind of made our way through this place in the in the dead of night. Mm. And there was sort of a, uh, like a structure down near the front of the place. And so we snuck in there and we, uh, we spent the night. We actually slept there. Mm. Uh, now, I didn't realize this at the time, but if you look up the quarantine station you will find references to the most haunted bathroom in Australia. Mm. Have you heard about this place, Dad? Mm. Yeah, I have. Bloody so, yeah, if you look at the photo of this place, right, of this actual structure, yeah, so Time Out did a kind of a review of this place mm. uh, entitled, Are You Brave Enough to Enter Sydney's Most Haunted Bathroom? So... This place was, it's referred to as the Gravedigger's Cottage. And if I'd known this, I wouldn't have slept on the fucking balcony. But basically, they do a lot of ghost tours here. Uh, it's not because a gravedigger lived there, because um, it was for housing doctors, mm. I believe, back mm. in the 19th century. But because it was flanked by two of the three cemeteries that you mentioned, mm. right? Mm. And there's an apparition, apparently, of a man in a black cloak and a wide-brimmed hat who is sighted within the house, apparently. Mm. So... If you look at the structure, it's sort of this little cottage and it's got this kind of nice balcony. It's sort of this like off minty green color and it's got this timber deck and we needed some cover to sleep. And so all we saw was like a nice place to crash. So we curled up and we told ghost stories and we slept really well, by the way, like I slept through the night. And I was reading this article this morning and I was reading about, you know, um, ghost tour guides basically saying that this place is deeply messed up. Mm. I'd like to read you a quote from what uh, Time Out's photographer, uh, what happened to her when she entered the building. This is a quote. Almost immediately, she got an unexpected surprise. I sensed what felt like a thumb pressing under my chin. It was really quite painful, so I had to run the hell out of there sweating profusely, she recalls. There was definitely something going on with the floorboards, and by the end of the shoot, I felt prickly heat all over my body. I was running in and out of there like a madwoman. Apparently, this place is like super turbo haunted, but we didn't know that it was between two graveyards because it was pitch black. Mm-hmm. So when we wandered out of there before the sun rose because we didn't, we didn't want to get caught by um, by security. And then I think we hopped the fence and went back to the grounds of St. Paul so I could show them where I went to school. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you and I have talked about this before and about the fact that if you go to a place and you get kind of good vibes and other people say it's really haunted, mm. do you then look at it retroactively differently? I mean, you, you've you been to the quarantine station. What was your read on the energy up there? Look, I've been there probably, I would have been there over 100 times, Paul. Right. Um, in fact, I discovered a couple of campsites from the 19th century that were untouched. They still had rare early bottles and the sign of, you know, early um, early campfires in incredibly sort of well-concealed um, places. And I, and, and I would sometimes sit, sometimes with my brother, and we'd just um, sort of basically sit on the same rocks that these people had sat on well over 100 years ago. This isn't in the grounds of the quarantine it, station? Yeah, in the grounds. Bloody oath. Hang on, I thought it was... Okay, so structurally, 
the quarantine station, I assumed, was was several large buildings built to house people, but Mate, you're saying it was, what, a campground? Mate, the quarantine station, in terms of an area that was a no-go area, was from that stone wall. That's it. The second you right. drive through that arch, think about it today. It's car parks, it's viewing platforms. It's, it's, a, it's a magnificent sort of nature area. And the views from there, you can look basically right back into the CBD over to Chatswood, out to the ocean. It's it's spectacular. So that entire area was designated quarantine station because the people that were in quarantine were in there for quite a while. And, you know, if they got smallpox, a, a diabolically um, fucked up disease, like just covered in bloody pussy blisters and when i say covered I'm, I'm i'm talking about your entire body like your ass cheeks your balls okay, under your okay. feet i mean it's okay. it's terrible have you seen any of the photographs they've got a hospital up there where you can go into this this quite frankly bloody depressing oh it's such a and it, they're, they're sort of on these sort of outcrops so they're sort mm. of they're they're raised they're they look out into this sort of this Yes, it's a magnificent view, but it's one of the few places if you're looking, if you're in a hospital where, you know, people died from smallpox and cholera and typhus, typhoid, bubonic plague, the, you know, the Black Death went through Sydney mm. in the 19th century. Um, you know, I've stood in these, these rooms and I've looked at the beds and the unpolished timber floors and there's definitely a pall of sadness and you can look at the magnificent view but it doesn't register that it's a beautiful view because you become very introspective i imagine being a patient and think about all all the the nurses and the doctors and many many of those staff that were there helping contracted the terrible diseases and you know people were, were, were giving birth in these these godforsaken places and they they were burying the bodies in the cemeteries and you know we we do isolation in 2020 21 now 22 yeah. but we are to to a large extent blessed by you know we can order um food online we can generally stay cool we can bathe you know, it's all a matter of sort of, I guess, perspective as to what it must have been like. But, you know, to do quarantine, <clears throat> to stay in one of these these kind of almost makeshift hospitals, you know, in midsummer, just and just to be suffering. And, you know, you'd wake up in hospital and the person that you may have been sleeping next to that night, you know, was gone and you knew that they died. And I have I did a ghost tour there many years ago, and we went to the mortuary. Have you been in there? No. Oh, mate, it's something really. Look, I, I was very skeptical um, when I went for this ghost tour, and you know, it was it was in winter. It was a shitty night. It was raining. It was, and we all sort of sort of made our way up from the, you know, where the big, uh, they've got these big shower rooms um, where they used to, every single person that came 
on sort of got off a ship they'd go along this wharf and they'd be taken into these huge rooms and they would be just they had to be de-liced as well because you can imagine being on a ship for for weeks i mean can you paul the size of these ships have you actually seen these sailing ships from the 19th century no, and they took months to get across. Oh, right? you know, they used to pack them down the bottom and you'd be, you'd be, I mean, mate, you'd be getting seasick. You'd be shitting in buckets. There'd be, like, you can't actually imagine the, what shocking, shocking, like, I just, I think there probably would have been people. I mean, people obviously died on the way over. And what they used to do with people that were coming over to Australia that died, they, they just simply threw them overboard. And there are cases of entire families or almost all the occupants of families being thrown overboard. And then imagine if you're a, a young boy or a young girl, you arrive in this strange, if it's summer, hot place. You don't get to go into town. You get to go to this place that we now know as the quarantine station. You get off a boat. You've lost all your family and you then commence this sort of process of being quarantined to find out. But imagine if you've arrived at the quarantine station with no sickness and then you get sick and then if you're unlucky, you die. Yeah. If you're lucky, you eventually get out and and make a life. But they had this, this mortuary and they still have it there. And I went one night up into the mortuary... And the lady that was conducting this this ghost tour, and she had done hundreds and hundreds of these tours. They were so down pat for her. It was just another. It was just another sort of tour group. And she's describing the doctor working at the, at sort of doing a post mortem on this concrete you know, sure. slab. Yeah. And of course, you know that I'd seen hundreds of postmortems. So I was kind of interested. Um, they had the channels on the slab for, for all the, you know, the juices, the body fluids that can sort yes. of... Dad, I'm sorry, I have been in this room. I don't remember anything around it, but I do distinctly remember Paul, that. Paul, we took... That, that... Mum and I took you kids on a tour. Oh, that's why I remember. Yeah. Okay, so how old were we at this point, do you think? Um... Well, too young? <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I think they've got age age limits now. I think they've gathered that maybe they shouldn't traumatise children sure. as, as tender and young as you and Anne um, mm. were at that, that point, but the four of us. Um, yeah. uh, but something really weird happened that night, Paul. We were all gathered around the mortuary table. She's telling mm. us these, <clears throat> quite frankly, you know, creepy and quite depressing stories and we're all in this sort of tiny room and then she's going through the whole spiel and then what happens is and this is kind of I'm, I don't want to sort of spoil it but I'm a bit of a spoiler alert here but I'm going to say it because I think it's quite pertinent to, to this particular story but what she does is that she always sets up a bucket on the floor hmm now, no one gets to see the bucket. And what she does is during the particular tour, she kicks the bucket. When I say kicks the bucket, I'm not talking about that expression where she dies in front of us. Yeah, it's, a di- it's a different tour guide every night. Yeah. Yeah. Bearing in mind that if she had have died, 
I would have commenced CPR. That's a given. Yeah. So she goes to kick the bucket, but we don't know she's going to do that. And the tour continues. And then she takes us outside and she says to the group, she said, I I just don't understand. She said, I went into that room, which is a locked room, might I add. You can't just go into this mortuary. It's 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 under lock and key. It's a historic it's 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 a historic site. And it's 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 a high security area. So she was really, really distressed, visibly shaken, and she says to us, and believe you me, this was more horrific than what was supposed to happen, and she said to us that the bucket that she'd placed at the side of the slab had vanished. She couldn't find it. Someone or something had removed basically this this item that is a part of the show, so to speak. So that's pretty uh, pretty interesting, and that made me think that you know there are some funny things. And basically, in the first season, when we went to that particular, you know, we've been to some pretty creepy locations, but mm. it is. Um, I mean, I have spent a lot of time up there walking uh, with a mate of mine. We've done a lot of late afternoon walks, and it's a very, very weird place. And, you know, I, I think that um, if you go and think about places that are full of terrible, terrible trauma, um, I, I can't think of a, of a more sort of depressing place. And Paul also... Um, when we lived in Darley Road, that's yes. the five of us, one night Christine and I heard a woman screaming outside our place. Right. And we, she, she was screaming in a really terrible, distressing way. And I remember you were sleeping in the sunroom and I, I didn't wake you, but I went to the window and I looked down. Oh, I couldn't see the girl but I saw a car heading up Darley Road and a few days later um, the police uh, contacted all the residents in the vicinity of where we were living to ask had anyone heard or seen anything and Christine and I explained that we'd heard this particular girl screaming and that girl was picked up and taken up the road that we lived on Mm. past where you went to school, past the hospital, through that arch and out to the quarantine station and she was raped and murdered. And Christine and I were sorry, very... Sorry, hang on, hang on. You, at what point in this sequence of events did you hear her screaming? Um, what do you mean? So you heard her screaming outside our apartment? Correct. Right. About one in the morning. Yep. Which would mean that whatever happened to her happened. So happened. you were hearing her getting taken? Yes, we heard her being taken. Oh, God. Mm. And what happened was, Paul, um, you remember when I was in the fire brigade? Um, I don't know whether I've mentioned this um, on on one of the podcasts. I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture of the type of place it is. Um, yeah. And one of the guys in my class... Uh, a really lovely guy that you and Anne met. He came to barbecues, etc. 
he uh, he, he was a firefighter at Manly, and um, he he jumped off North Head. And also, there was the young guy that was the pilot, and he buzzed his family. They were having a family barbecue up in a suburb in Belrose. You remember Belrose, close by? And yes. then he uh, he then flew into the side of the cliff at North Head. And then there were all those guys that were taken up to North Head, and they were thrown off the cliff. And there's been a very, very famous international case that's just been solved last week, where one of the guys finally pleaded guilty to throwing a guy off a cliff. So there's a lot of bad juju up there. It's a really fucked up place. And it's a very dark and mysterious place. They have a boom gate up there, thank God. So you can't go there at night time. And if you got stuck up there, um, it's just, it's surreal. I, I have been up there... Um, at night time, like they, they put the, the gate down quite late, maybe 11 p.m. But, you know, we've been up there with storms coming in over Sydney and the cars being buffeted. And you know that you are just in an area that's... Isn't it funny how in life you can be in, a, in the middle of something quite beautiful, i.e. Sydney, mm. in one of the most magnificent scenic places, but you just feel that something's not right. And that's how I feel about North Head. And don't forget, Paul, they've also got all the bunkers up there where they had these guns pointed out to ocean, the Pacific Ocean, during the war because they believed that we were going to be invaded. So you've got this kind of... That's right. This kind of... I mean, those those tunnels up there and those... those um, those you know, where they've got all the, the, the cannons and it's just... You walk through there and you've got the cemeteries and you've got the knowledge. And what happened was people used to, when you got off these boats and you were going into quarantine, don't forget, Paul and listeners, that they the last time the quarantine station was... So it opened in around about 1830. The last people to go through the quarantine station were from the Vietnam War. In 1984. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. I knew it finished. I, yeah, I knew it closed up in the 80s. So yeah. all hang the on, Vietnamese. On, yep. 84 wasn't the Vietnamese. No, no, no. It was in the 70s. I'm just saying that that's how long oh, it stayed in operation. And I mean, honestly, it's it's not possible. I mean, I don't think it's possible to have a place with so much death. Um, it was a miserable place. And, mm. you know, there's a wall when you get off the ship and you walk along the wharf. You've got the big shower rooms where they'd cover you in DDT, which is a deadly chemical, to get rid of all the... I mean, it's just staggering mm. what, they would, what they used to do to people. And basically on the right is this fairly large cliff. It's got sort of a sandstone face. And when people used to get off the ships, like the Lusitania, which is a very famous ship that was the first ship, I believe, that answered the SOS. The Titanic? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But the Lusitania docked at the quarantine station. Right. Now, when people used to get off, they had these stonemasons and they used to carve the most extraordinary um, sort of nautical emblems into the rock face. But if you go there now, the entire uh, cliff has been blackened out and it was done a long time ago. And the reason they blacked out all the, the sort of the symbolism and all the beautiful carvings was so as not to make people feel sad to realise that these ships, so many ships had been there. And that's one of the things they used to do. It was sort of like a, a form of censorship. Right. Um, if you said to me... Dad, um, let's spend the night at North Head. Um, I would definitely, under no circumstances, do it. I would. There's just not a chance because it's too fucking creepy. That's interesting. I mean, look, it's not like the place is, hasn't had its share of you know weirdness or tragedy, right? So the first quarantine they actually did was in 1828, and at that point, like you said, it was just a patch of land with some tents. Mm. Uh, until in 1837, they copped about 400 and something people uh, with 56 dead. And then 17 more of those died in quarantine. And at that point, they needed to actually build housing, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of when things kicked off. But I read that there was a point at which um, armed guards would literally shoot you if you tried to leave the premises. Mm. I mean, that this is how tight the quarantine was. Mm. The Spanish flu was frightening. Yeah. 
And I believe uh, they started putting in kind of softer fines and restrictions when a lot of soldiers got there from World War One, I, I think. God. And at that point, good luck trying to stop soldiers from leaving. Mm. I mean, because, you know, they're battle-hardened and they know what they're doing and, mm. you know, it's just a handful of security. Mm. But good God, I mean, it's weird because you look down in Manly, right? And Manly is a extremely bougie place. I mean, it's moneyed up and the real estate there costs a mint. And if you hop just around to Shelley Beach and Ferry Bower and that area, it looks like it looks like the Amalfi Coast. Mm. I mean, this place is dripping in wealth. Mm. And it's so interesting that there's this patch of land just up the hill, which housed countless people you know gripped by the throes of terrible diseases i can't even imagine the things that would have happened there oh. i just find it interesting that the two things are sitting flush you know yeah and also paul um and listeners i think it's fair to say um i don't think you've got to be einstein to say what i'm about to postulate and that is that you would have had some pretty fucking whacked out whacked up zany crazy psychopath doctors Okay, that would have thought, mm, okay, we've got all these dead bodies. How about we do some experiments? How about we want to, you know, find out some things about. Look, you can just imagine there was a lot of stuff happening back in the 19th century about, um, you know, um, you know, the evolution of species, about yeah. phrenology, where they used to believe that, you know, the size of a person's head determined their intelligence. So someone's got a really big head. Let's crack their skull open and pull their brain out and weigh it. And they're all, and you know I can I can imagine. And they're probably on the balance of probabilities there would have been um, people involved in the post mortems that you know may have kept a few things for themselves. Maybe mm. you know sort of set up some stuff in bottles. There may have been. Um, sort of hospitals or or even the genesis of some museums like the Museum of Anatomy where they would have thought we need some some body parts we need some God knows some you know I mean there were pregnant women that were, were dying it's just and think about the staff you know as today during this time we're living in I continually think about the medical staff for example working yeah. in hospitals and just I mean I just I just don't know how they keep going it's like it's pro- <sighs> yeah it provides it provides a degree of perspective which is yeah. really interesting yeah yeah uh, um, now according to the um, there was an article that I read here I'm just going to quote it and this is in reference to the because I was very curious as to what it would be like to actually be there and be sick. Mm. According to this article, their last few weeks, days or hours would have been spent in excruciating pain on the hospital ward, cut off from the migrants deemed healthy. They would not have been allowed to see their family members or have their religious last rites before they died for fear of spreading infection. One well-known case at the station was that of a 27-year-old volunteer nurse, Annie Egan, who contracted influenza while nursing sick soldiers returning home from the First World War back in 1918. She made repeated requests for a Roman Catholic priest to administer the last rites, but these were denied by authorities, and she died on December the 3rd without having her wish granted. Miss Egan's final resting place can still be visited in the quarantine station's only surviving cemetery, but many others who died there now lie in unmarked graves. After two other cemeteries on the site were leveled because of their proximity to living quarters and a fresh water stream. Right, so does that mean they built over the other cemeteries? Yeah, yeah. Look, there are so, so many, there are layer upon layer. 
you know, whenever you've got a, a shortage of land, you you well, one thing you can do, which they've done on um, Devil's Island down in Tasmania, is that they used to just um, you'd be buried um, vertically, feet first. Yes. Yeah. Into sort of like a like just a sort of a little like a like a sort of a cylinder hole just to, to, to conserve um, you know valuable um, land that is a very tight fit speaking of which I was curious about the living conditions for people who actually you know were just living there mm-hmm. and I'm looking at photos like actual photos um, of passengers from these ships pretty much living uh, and this is by the way this is at the point uh, I'm looking at a photo from 1935 there's a nurse doing her rounds past the first class living accommodation doesn't that always happen mm, always always the people yep. with the money get because this yep. just looks like a this looks like a resort mm. i mean there's people in linen shorts it's mm. crazy anyway yeah. but if you if you're one of the just kind of regular people there were up to 60 men in a single dorm which if you're trying to stop the spread of disease, oh. I mean that's that's hellish. I know. You know, we yeah. we look at us wearing masks and having 1.5 meters between us. I mean, if you're living in a dorm with 60 other people, that's just you're gonna get sick. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Paul. Um, you know, pandemics uh, they're not new. And funnily enough, prior to this pandemic, Christine and I were watching a documentary on Netflix, probably two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and we actually stopped watching it because I said to Christine I said Christine this is just ridiculous I mean what 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 are they talking about yeah and then all of a sudden it happens it happens um, but re- you know cholera is a rotten disease yeah. and there was a pandemic in Europe in from 1829 to 1851 and you know every ship coming into Australia from Europe because there were free you know, there was free passage. I mean, people would actually want to come to Australia for a new life, but they also had to be, you know, put into quarantine. Um, I don't know how they got people to work, quite frankly. I mean, look, you would be... Once you um, signed up, I guess, to, to be a nurse or a doctor or a grave digger or a cook or a whatever, all the jobs that were going, you didn't get to go home at night time. You became a part of the community, yeah. and you lived within that that environment. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's tough, and uh, I I believe that um, if there's going to be a location in this country mm. that is going to be um, haunted, haunted, yeah, then. I believe that North Head Quarantine Station and its surrounds would, in my mind, hold the number one position. You know, what's interesting is that back in Electric Blue, there was a story that you told um, regarding a kind of a hostage situation. There was an, the, the immigrant um, kind of processing center. There was a shower block and there was a woman who had uh, kind of stopped the guy with a knife and he'd fled into this back room and pretty much, you know, SWAT was there and Mm. you rocked up and the room was empty. That's an incredible story. It's a fucking great story. And part of the problem for me is because I'd clearly been to the quarantine station in Manly, but I hadn't been to the one in that story, when I remember that story and when I wrote it, I kind of based the architecture off 
the quarantine station. Mm. For example, I'm, I'm looking here at photos of the first class shower block, right? Mm. Um, which is where, because you mentioned that passengers needed to shower. Mm. And I've just found out very unpleasantly that they took carbolic acid showers mm. to basically strip off a layer of skin. Oh, fuck. I know. Oh, but if you look at the, it's terrible. Oh, that's fucked. But if you look at the photo of the shower block with the high ceilings and the kind of... That's kind of the space I was picturing. How similar are the two structures in terms of their layout and their size? Mm. Very, very similar. Okay. And also, Paul, I think it's important to note from a rather morbid perspective, and that is that crime or perversions or pretty well anything that we know that happens today. Like when, whenever we hear the news and we hear terrible, terrible things about totally fucked up people doing terrible things to each other, it's all been done before. So if you can take yourself back to the quarantine station in the 19th century, imagine there still would have been creepy people. Yeah, You know, there would have been... Generally speaking, guys that may have crept out at night time, gone over to the women's quarters. You can just imagine the sorts of things that you you, you just have to have a relatively fertile imagination to know that, yeah. you know, this environment, this, this cloistered sort of sanctuary of fucking depression would have being just a microcosm of the outer of the greater society because like i said first class showers first class accommodation yeah. which of course means that you do have i mean i'm seeing photos here of people forming human pyramids on the beach and these are clearly the people who had the money and weren't sick mm. so basically what's happening is the same thing that happens everywhere else you know if you're wealthy enough you get a different you get a very different experience well of course it feels ships, like yeah yeah i mean yeah. first class you had first class second class third class then stowage mm. but basically you rode yeah um yeah. and it was all you know based on um you know how much money you um how much money you had but i don't think i think it's fair to say that disease does not discriminate it doesn't discriminate but uh if you have a lot of money you seem to find some kind of cleaner, easier ways of circumventing things. Maybe that's why people resonate so much with the supernatural and with hauntings, because ghosts don't give a shit about money. There's nothing better than the schadenfreude of seeing a rich person get haunted to death. Mm, agree. If indeed that's possible to happen, which I'm not convinced it is. Anyway, um, look, I think we should go there in person at some point mm. and just kind of, you know, yeah, check it out. Definitely. See how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Uh, we hope you are happy that we're back. We are really happy that we're back. I mean, my God, it's good to be back doing Loose Units. Are you happy, Dad? I'm beyond happy. Okay. I'm good. so happy. I'm, I'm extremely happy. I'm about to broil a chicken. Is that a metaphor for how happy you are? or No, I'm just looking at a chicken. I'm going to whack it in some hot water. What did it do to you? Uh, it's it's passed away, right? And hopefully disease free. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. But we are so so happy that you are here with us to listen. We're going to be back at the tail end of this week with a loose ends. We are really really excited to be back. As usual, if you have any questions or anything, head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. And for the love of God. 
If you care about us at all, head across to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget, you can also grab a copy of Loose Units and Electric Blue at all good bookstores. Uh, Booktopia is where I would recommend grabbing a copy. Anyway, thanks so much, everyone. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.